And so we are continuing our study in the Word of God this morning, 1 Corinthians 10. Aren't you grateful for God's Word, church? Church, I I pray that we, the Harvest Baptist Temple, would be a people of the book. That that we would be a people who, who don't just talk about God's Word, but we would be a people who read God's Word who love God's Word, who live God's Word, who share God's Word. You know, sometimes you say, well, I have a hard time reading. That's all right. Listen to God's Word. And so, ladies and gentlemen, you know, in our day and age, there's really not a good excuse for not getting the Word of God on a regular basis. And so pull up the app on the iPhone or, or, or pull up the, the whatever on the computer or put in the CD or the MP3 or whatever you got at home from years gone by. The important thing is let's just get the Word of God in us. Because you know what? It's the Word of God that makes a difference, isn't it? It's the Word of God that's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's the Word of God that grounds us and cleanses us and and, and sustains us and inspires us and equips us and grows us and much, much more. And so we want to take seriously our responsibility to be a people of the book. And so on Sunday mornings, we are studying through 1 Corinthians, verse by verse, line by line, because we need this book. And this morning, we find ourselves beginning in chapter 10. Now, to give you a little uh, background, because we've got to kind of set the stage, again, we're in the middle of a question and answer session. Paul is answering questions that the church of Corinth has posed to him. And, and I'll say it again this week. I'm glad God can handle my questions. I'm glad God's not worried about what I might wonder and what I might ask issues I might have because God has an answer for me. Now, the current question that Paul is dealing with is one on Christian liberty. Now, isn't that something we're interested in these days? Christian liberty. And and specifically, the church of Corinth is wondering, since I am free in Christ, then uh, aren't I really free uh, to do what I want? And and the question is, is specific was, Are they free to eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols? Now, I don't really worry about that question anymore because I don't don't worry about what Walmart's doing in the back of the butcher section, right? I'm not worried about whether they got a little idol back there or not. I'm not worried about the cooking Applebee's. Uh, I just want to eat my meat, amen? Uh, But this larger question of Christian liberty, uh, the church at Corinth was really struggling with what was right and allowable to do. And so Paul's taking some time. Really, he's taking four chapters and teaching that while, yes, we are free in Christ, that our liberty ought to be shaped by a variety of things. In chapter 8, he taught us what? That our liberty ought to be shaped by our love for others. In other words, if my actions are going to cause one of my brothers to fall, then I probably ought not do it. And so my liberty ought to be shaped by my love for others. In chapter 9, what did he teach us? He teaches us that our liberty ought to be shaped by our commitment to the gospel of Christ. That that, that we we have a high calling to run a race for God's glory. And if we're going to be that finely tuned Christian runner, well then we may have to give up a bowl of lucky charms every now and then. Because we got a race to run. And it's okay to curtail, to shape, to form our liberty because of how we love our fellow Christian. It's good to shape and form and limit our liberty because we've got a race to run. 
Well, here in chapter 10, he's going to continue uh, to develop this idea of liberty. You see that first word in chapter 10, verse number 1? The Bible says, moreover. In other words, we're dealing with this, and we've got some things left to talk about. And what we're learning is we're learning this, that liberty is less about my entitlement to do what I want and more about my empowerment to do what I ought. We got to let that sink in. My liberty, my freedom in Christ is less about my entitlement to do what I want and it is far more about my empowerment to do as I ought. In Romans 8 and verse number 2, we see this. The Bible says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ hath made me free, but what? From the law of sin and death. Galatians 5 and verse number 13, we see this. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Liberty is wonderful. Amen, church? Hey, you're getting a little sleepy on me this morning. I know it's a little warm. Liberty is wonderful. Amen, church? Aren't you glad you're free in Christ? But boy, while there's nothing better than being free, what Paul is going to point out today is that liberty, when it's misappreciated and misapplied, it doesn't lead to true freedom at that point. Rather, it leads to to a devastating fall. So let's consider this thought free or falling. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 1. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Look at verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition unto whom the ends of the world are come. I want you to see, first of all, as Paul uh, develops this thought this morning, uh, I want you to see, first of all, a place of privilege. Don't miss it. Don't be ignorant. Don't, Don't lack understanding here. Paul acknowledges, declares, confirms that God's people are a blessed people. God's people are a blessed people. If you're a child of God, you are a blessed individual. And he uses here the example of Israel who had been freed from Egypt. Think about all of the blessings that all of Israel had received. They all passed through the cloud of God's glory. They all passed through the Red Sea. They were all baptized under Moses. They all did eat the same spiritual meat. They all did drink the same spiritual drink. Now that's easy to read over, but let's break it down a little bit. All of Israel in that day experienced a great salvation. You think about it. They had been slaves in Egypt for years and years and years, for generations. They had been slaves in Egypt. Not only had they been slaves in Egypt, but while they were slaves in Egypt, they had undergone horrible, horrible treatment to the point where their little boys were fed to alligators or crocodiles or whatever they have in Egypt. Who knows? 
Something big with sharp teeth. Not good. That's devastating. That's devastating. And they went through these things and these hardships and they cried out unto God. And God raised up a deliverer in Moses and God sent plagues and and God parted that Red Sea. You think about that. You remember they left Egypt and, and Pharaoh decided what? Pharaoh decided he wanted them back. And so he got his army and he got his chariots and he chased after them. And, and they were pinched. They were trapped at the Red Sea. And, and they cried out and they, and they kind of complained. And, and they said, oh, we just came out here and we're going to die. And I love what God told Moses. He basically told Moses to tell him to turn around, stand still, shut your mouth, and see the salvation of the Lord. And what happened? God cracked that Red Sea wide open. They walked across on dry ground. And then when they got to the other side, Pharaoh's chariots and armies got stuck in the mud. And the waters came crashing back. And then we stop at this point because we like to keep the Bible PG-13. But, or PG, not, we don't like to go to the PG-13. But you go to the next chapter and what happens? Their dead bodies are washing, the dead bodies of the Egyptians are washing up on the shore. And Israel starts singing about it. Miriam breaks out the tambourine. And they're singing about the judgment in the, on Egypt and the freedom they had received. And boy, that was just the beginning. Because you follow them around and you see that God continued to bless them. God continued to lead them. God continued to provide for them. They got meat. They got drink. They got what they needed. And they were all, they all experienced a great salvation. They all experienced a great separation. They were all offered the same great satisfaction. Nehemiah puts it this way in recounting the history in Nehemiah 9 in verse number 21. He says, yea, 40 years... Did thou sustain them in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing and their clothes waxed not old and their feet swelled not? You think about that. They walked in a desert for 40 years and their clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell. If I hit 7,500 steps on my Fitbit, my feet swell. And these guys did it in the desert. 40 years. God's people are a blessed people. God's people are a blessed people. These people were blessed beyond belief. But you know what the analogy Paul is drawing out? So are we. Christian, you are blessed beyond belief. God has been good to all of us. He has accomplished our great salvation. You see, God didn't just free us from Pharaoh. He freed us. He freed us from the slave market of sin. He freed us from the wage of sin, which is death. He freed us from an eternity in hell. He has accomplished our great salvation. God has been good to all of us. He is accomplishing our sanctification. Aren't you glad God keeps working on you? And God doesn't give up on you. And God's still forming you and making you and seeking to grow you into the image of Christ. And and I'm so glad that God, yeah, he, he freed me from the penalty of sin. But I'm also glad that every day he gives me the capacity to be free from the power of sin. You know what? I don't, I don't have to say yes to sin. I can say no to sin. And I can say yes to God. 
He has accomplished our great salvation. He is accomplishing our great sanctification. And you know what? God every day offers us great satisfaction. We are truly free to enjoy God in the life he gives. He truly came that we might have life abundant. Church, we are not a poor, pitiful people. We are not a sad, sloppy lot. We are children of the king. You have, if you're a child of the king this morning, if you've received the Lord Jesus as your savior, you have the spirit of God living within you. Do you know what he's doing in there? He has sealed you. He's indwelling you. He is gifting you. He's empowering you. You're a child of the king this morning. Do you know what you have? You have access to the father. You know what that ought to come with? Anticipation to receive what we need. We are a blessed, blessed people. I think even beyond the spiritual blessings, stop and remember how blessed we are in this country. We're blessed materially, amen? Jesus said that we ought to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. The reality is most of you have a month's worth of bread at your house. The reality is, I I mentioned this Wednesday night, I heard a preacher say it and it stuck with me. The reality is our garbage disposals eat better than 30% of the world's population. We are a blessed, blessed people. I think of the freedom that we have to be here today. I don't have to worry about uh, government interference. I don't have to worry about uh, persecution. We are a blessed people. But Paul is setting the stage for something. We have a place of privilege. And church, that's not something we apologize for. I'm a child of the king. I want everybody to be a child of the king. It's a place of privilege. But there's a warning here. We enjoy the blessings, yes. But this is what we can't afford to miss. That while being blessed is wonderful, being blessed is not an end unto itself. That while being blessed is wonderful, being free, having this liberty, is not a guarantee of future success. Because when we take our liberty, when we take our freedom... When we take our place of privilege in Christ for granted, something happens. We become prone to pitfalls. Did you see what happened to Israel? They all had all of these blessings, but look what happened in verse number 5. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these these things were our examples to the extent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as some of them, as it is written, the, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. And neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Read verse 12 in unison together with me. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed, lest he fall. 
Because you see, even those people who occupy a place of privilege, or maybe we could even say especially those people who occupy a place of privilege, have a proneness to pitfalls. You've seen how Paul continues to develop the example of Israel. All of Israel have been blessed, but many of them failed to walk in that blessing. They fell, they failed, they otherwise forsook God. They had been delivered out of Egypt, but they found themselves defeated by their own appetites. They fell into wicked wants and wicked worship. You'll remember when they made the golden calf. Moses is gone. He's been gone a whole 40 days. We don't know what's happened to him. Uh, Let's make a golden calf and worship that. And they had wicked worship. and, And then outside, in addition to the wicked worship, they began to commit wicked works. Because the Bible says around that golden calf that they, that they danced and rose up to play. And, and that idea, it, it, it really is a, a kind way of putting that there was a, a whole lot of nudity and immorality. And so you have the people of God who very quickly, when, when a little bit of pressure comes, when a little bit of problems come, when a little bit of pain comes, When a little bit of persecution comes, when a little bit of temptation comes, what happens? We find ourselves susceptible to wicked wants and wicked worship and wicked works and wicked ways and wicked words. And we we question God and we accuse God and we test God and we tempt God. And boy, the people of Israel were free. Hey, free, free at last, free from Egypt. But boy, they failed to walk in that freedom. They were free, yet they fell. They were free, yet they failed. They were free, yet they forsook God. Because although God had removed them from Egypt physically, they had not removed Egypt from their hearts spiritually. And Paul here was bringing a a warning to bear for the church at Corinth. The church of Corinth was in a precarious position. This church was well aware of their blessing. In regards to spiritual gifts, they came behind no other church. This was a blessed, blessed church. And they were well aware of their blessing. And the indication that we get is because they were so aware of their blessing, they also felt impervious to the spiritual danger and pitfalls around them. And they lived without self-awareness. They lived without self-control. And they lived without self-denial. They felt a right to do what they wanted. They felt a license to do what they pleased. After all, they were free in Christ. Yet in their push to take full advantage of their freedom, they were in grave danger of falling. You know, church, I think this portion of Scripture has special bearing for us because I believe that we are also a blessed church. That God is doing a special work. 
that God is calling people and gifting people and equipping people and people are getting saved and baptized and helped and people are growing and, and God is doing a work. And I, and I see the mighty things that God is doing here. You know what, church? And it's real easy in a place of privilege. It's real easy in a position of blessing to begin to become entitled. To begin to lose our self-awareness, to begin to drift from self-control and self-denial. When you're blessed, sometimes it's easy to forget that though I am free, I am also frail. That though I am free, hallelujah, I am free. I still have my flesh. I think about what Jesus told Peter and the disciples in Matthew 26 and verse number 41. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what, church? It's weak. Remember what Paul said of his own self in Romans chapter number 7. He said, for the good that, that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. It's easy to forget that though I am free, I am also frail and still have my flesh. It's easy to forget that though I am free, I can easily lose focus on what I need and what really matters. You think about the Lord's testimony of, or the Lord's counsel to the church at Laodicea. A church that in its description, sounds very much like a lot of our American churches. Has it all. Has it all. At least they think they do. And the Lord said to the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3 and verse number 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. How easy it is to become blinded by blessing, to become blinded by our place of privilege in Christ, the abundant life that he offers, and to forget what we really desperately need and what really, really matters. How easy is it to forget where I am heading and what I am becoming? How easy is it, church, to forget that, yes, I am free, but Satan still seeks to destroy me? Yes, I am free, but the world still seeks to entice me. Paul here admonishes this church, and by extension, us, that we stop And recognize that our blessing and privilege in Christ does not make me immune from the pitfalls around me. And it's good for me to stop and recognize that I need to humble myself because mightier men than me have fallen. Better churches than ours have crumbled. You see, I'm in the most danger when I make my liberty or my freedom in Christ about me. 
You see, that was the problem with Israel. God had set them free, amen? God, God had set them free uh, to go to the promised land and, and to conquer the promised land. But when did Israel get in trouble? Israel got in trouble when they wanted what they wanted. Hey, God, I'm hungry. Feed me. Why haven't you feed me? You just want to kill me, don't you? God, I'm thirsty. God, give me something to drink. You just want to kill me, don't you? God, I know you told Moses to go into the mountain, but I don't know where he is. So, so I need something to worship, so I'm just going to go do my own thing. God, I'm tired of manna. Manna every day. You just want to kill me, don't you? We laugh. But boy, it's the same thing we do. It's the same thing we do. You see, Israel wanted what they wanted. Corinth wanted what they wanted. But I want what I want. The problem is, though, when I live for what I want, I forfeit my freedom and I fall back into bondage. There are so many believers who forfeit their freedom and they opt to live in bondage to chasing the ideas of happiness, instant gratification, comfort, self-fulfillment. You fill in the blank. It reminds me, I didn't give you this verse, Liz. You can help me put it up there. It reminds me of the admonitions of 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 19. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 19 where, where false teachers, they, they present this thing where if you follow them and do these things, you can truly be free. But, but look what Peter says. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man has overcome the same is he bought, brought in bondage. And I'm going to tell you, so many who ought to be free to follow Christ are in bondage to these empty, earthly pursuits, giving little to no thought about what God might actually want in their lives. Everybody's chasing their own thing. Everybody wants what they want. For the church of Corinth, well, if I want the burger at, uh, at, at uh, Zeus's Burger Barn, I'm going to eat it, and I don't care how you feel about it. We could translate that to a, a thousand different things in our day and age. But we live our lives chasing our own empty earthly pursuits. We find that we are failing to live in freedom and actually falling back into bondage. You know, I think a good illustration of this is, you ever seen little kids chase bubbles? It's kind of interesting. I mean, bubbles are fascinating, though, aren't they? I mean, when I see bubbles, I mean, there were bubbles the other day. I went over and chased the bubbles. It was wonderful. There's just something about bubbles. They're shiny. I mean, they kind of glisten in the sunlight. Sometimes you can... Catch them. If you're, if you're immature, you can eat them. And 
And bubbles are fun. But the problem is, is the world has got all these bubbles out there for us. You know, I, 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 want, uh, I, I want my money this way, and I, and I want my, my family this way, and, and I want my music this way, and I want to eat and drink this, and I want to go here and go there, and, and I want to be involved in church to this extent, and I want to do this but not do that. And what are we doing? We're all out here chasing, ooh, ooh, bubbles. And we wonder, we wonder where the power of God has gone and we wonder where the unity of the body has gone and we wonder why we keep bumping into things and there's so much friction and we keep falling down. Maybe, just maybe, it's it's because we're, we're chasing the pursuit of happiness, which may be the American way, but we're not chasing, following after Pursuing holiness, which is God's way. We are a privileged people, yes. But there's a warning here. Because even privileged people are prone to pitfalls. Well, hmm. I don't like that much. I mean, I felt really good at the beginning. I'm a privileged person. But now, like, mightier men than me have fallen. There's pitfalls everywhere. Ugh. I mean, it kind of takes you from the high to the low. But Paul doesn't leave us unnecessarily high or unnecessarily low. He gives us the truth we need to move forward in victory. Look with me at verse 13. Let's read it in unison together. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Yes, we have a place of privilege. Yes, we have a proneness to pitfalls. But I'm going to tell you, church, there's good news because we also have a promise of provision. This whole section is meant to be a wake-up call. Remember, it was a question about eating meat. You ever asked a short question, wanted a short answer, and gotten a whole dissertation in reply? That's what they're getting here. And by this point, they're probably thinking, good grief, Paul, a simple yes or no. But Paul wanted them to know it's a big deal. Because the temptation we face is real. And we're all tempted. We all struggle with wicked wants. And we're all prone to our hearts wander in wicked worship and do wicked works and and engage in wicked ways and, and say wicked words. But the reality is, though we are all tempted and though we are all tested and though we are all prone to pitfalls, praise God, we don't have to fall. We don't have to fall. Paul gives us a couple of principles to truly walk in the freedom and liberty God has provided. Notice what he says first. There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. Hear me, church. You are not alone. You're not going to face anything in this life that is unique to you. The devil wants you to be isolated. The devil wants you to think nobody's ever gone through what you're going through. 
Nobody's ever struggled the way you're struggling. Nobody's ever suffered the way you're suffering. Nobody's ever been through what you've been through. The devil wants you to think that nobody could ever help you, that your burden is too heavy. But God wants you to know that what you are going through is common to man. You're not alone. I want to encourage you this morning. There are probably some people among us, no doubt, who are struggling. Be it with a testing or, or, or a temptation or, or, or all of it. And you're tired of falling and you don't want to fall, but you feel like you're about to fall. Can, can, I, can I encourage you? You're not alone, so don't go it alone. You know what? Look around this morning. God has placed you in a body that is here to help you. This church exists that we might help and equip and strengthen and sustain one another for the glory of God. We are here with a purpose of one another ministry. You are not alone. Now I'm going to tell you to do something hard because the Bible is going to tell you to do something hard. James 5 and verse number 16, James says this. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A lot of times we just latch on to the last part of that verse. But honestly, we need the whole part of that verse, right? What does James tell us to do? Are you struggling with something? Are you stumbling on something? Are you falling over something? Are you, are you struggling under the weight of something? Tell somebody. Tell somebody. Find a spiritually mature person. And seek help and accountability. They can help you. And pray for you. And be there for you. You know what church? Accountability and fences are not mean to stifle freedom. They're meant to secure it. My kids want to sleep in a tent. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Like, we have a house. It's a nice house. And my kids want to sleep in a tent. Why? Anyways, I don't want to sleep in a tent. But my wife let them sleep in a tent the other day. You know why we let them sleep in a tent? Because it's got a backyard with a fence. You know where the tent wouldn't have gone? In the front yard? Because people wander the streets. You know where the tent wouldn't have gone? In the road? Because people drive there. You know where the tent wouldn't have gone? Into the neighbor's yard. Because there's something about that aspect of accountability, that structure, that fence, that protection. Do you know what it did? It did not stifle their freedom. It facilitated it. And here's the thing. God places you in community. You don't have to go it alone. You will find incredible freedom when you connect with the church around you. A promise of provision, church, you are not alone. Yours is not unique. There are people that can help you. But I'm going to tell you, even greater than that, not only are you not alone, but secondly, this verse teaches you are not a victim. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is 
faithful. You know, in my time as a pastor, I've talked to many who desperately want to be free. Maybe it's free from a stronghold of sin. Maybe it's free from an emotional struggle or, or, or events that happened in the past or, or things that, uh, guilts and, and things that just weigh you down. Many desperately want to be free. And again, perhaps it's the stronghold of sinful temptation. Perhaps it's the stronghold of strenuous testing. There's so many who, who don't want to stumble anymore. They don't want to struggle anymore. They don't want to fall anymore. The devil wants you to believe that he will always have the upper hand. But hear me. The devil is a liar. God is faithful. God is faithful. And that church always makes the difference. Because though your temptation or testing may be great, God is always greater. You know, church, I think we have to be careful to measure the difficulty by the strength of one doing the work. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing too hard for our God. Church, I want you to know this morning... That you can live in true liberty because in Christ you are a victor and not a victim. The Bible says that God will make a way for you to escape. Hey, what are we going to do when you see the exit ramp? Take it. Take it. Take it. Take the way of escape. God will always make a way for you to bear it. God is faithful. Good to know that the same God who had the power to set the stars in the sky, the same God who had the power to set the moon in its place, the same God who has the power to mold man from the dust of the earth and breathe life into him, the same God who had the power to lay down his life for you and take it up again, has the power to fulfill this promise in your life. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Look at your struggle this morning and say, you know what? God is faithful. This morning, maybe you've been knocked down by sin. You know what you need to do? A just man falleth seven times, but riseth up again. Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. In church this morning, We consider this thought, are we free or are we falling? I want to be free, amen? And I can be free, amen? Because God is faithful. Hey, Christian, you can make it. Do you know why? Say it with me. God is faithful. Hey, guess what? Your marriage, it can make it. You know why? God is faithful faithful. You know that sin that's easily beset you for so long? Guess what? You can overcome it. You know why? God is faithful. Hey, we are a people of great blessing and privilege in Christ. Amen? But the message this morning is a reminder that we also need to be a humble people. 
Because it's not my privilege in Christ that makes the difference. It is Christ that makes the difference. And this morning as we consider, man, just how blessed we are. I want to ask us this morning. That we as a people... Take some time, enjoy the blessings of God, yes. But that we be a humble people. That we be a people who intentionally draw nigh to God. Because only there can we truly experience what it means to be free.